too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we. That wasn't a great pod, was it? You want to run it back? All right, Golflandia 211. If you didn't know, it's the Masters Week. And here we are. Brought to you by Alpha Brain Pills. If you want to pick the best lineups, win the most money, Alpha Brain. Grab some today. Get the pills barrel cut. I. Did you know that? Someone on Twitter actually posted the video and tagged me in it. Or they, they, they showed it to me. And it was someone saying, Hey, Jeff Rubies in Lexington, I loved your barrel cut steaks. And I think they might have been trolling. So that's that. But here we are. 2.11. I didn't want to do too much content this week. There's a lot of volume. And there's not really a lot more you can add because the course is known. Um, the field is small. And it really just comes down to your convictions, which is personal. And so I, I almost made a stand that I was not going to do any content this week. And then I end up being a farce, as usual, and do like three a day. I did uh, Ray Floyd Jr.'s show yesterday, and he will not be on the podcast because I thought, let's get him Wednesday live where everyone can ask him questions live after he visits the course live, plays in the par three, well, doesn't play in the par three contest, but caddies for his dad, Ray Floyd, Ray who is actually at the master's dinner right now, eating an elite menu prepared by Hideki Matsuyama. And I saw Adam Scott say, this might be the best menu we've ever had. And he has no quarrels about which one was the worst. It was Bubba Watson when he served like checks mix. Adam Scott said, I think I ordered off the menu that night. Nate Dog, can you mute Torino that? Thanks. Thanks, Palski. The TV was on. It's all I could hear in my headphones. NBA G League. Where was I? But yes, you see how you pull back your thoughts when you do these podcasts for 500 episodes? So Wednesday will be that... By the way, Ray Floyd had a really good comment, and I'm not sure it's applicable to the Greens and their speed today, but back in 92 when he was again uh, in contention, two shots back of Fred Couples who won that year, he said, people who have, who have success at Augusta are drift putters. And I asked a couple of players what that meant. It's, I think it's just an older term that's not used anymore. Maybe maybe die putting is the more, more contemporary term. But he said, people here are drift putters that use the greens contours like me. Not like me, <laughs> like him. And he, and he said Freddie Couples' game, TD Green, obviously was incredible at the time. And he was perfect for Augusta, Augusta because he was a drift putter. People who hit their putts more firmly don't do as well. Not sure if that's applicable now that the green speed is about a 15 compared to what one golfer said, you know, perhaps an eight back then. But an interesting quote and term nonetheless. So Wednesday, 
I will have Ray at 9 o'clock on live stream yard on Twitter. And you can ask him all the questions you'd like. And we'll just break down what he saw from the course. I mean, we all know what probably the changes are going to mean. But 18 hasn't been talked about a lot. And it's been extended 13 yards. And then I think that he's just going to, using a horse racing analogy, when you, when some of the best betters, the only good betters, will evaluate horses pre-race in the paddock. How they look, how they walk, their behavior, their attitude, their willingness to run, their nervousness. Are they agitated? Do they look big? Are they acting big? And the same thing with golfers. The night before Thursday's round, what do you see? And when Sergio won, he called it on Wednesday. And it's not easy to do. So he doesn't have a magic wand. But if it gives any sort of color that the rest of the content this week has not, been great. So I ended up doing two a day of these content things. I'll probably do two again tomorrow. I was asked to do Winnipeg Sports Radio ESPN type thing. <clears throat> and they gave me a link. Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, for those Americans who don't know where Canada is. And they gave me a link. And all of a sudden, I guess I was early or had the wrong link. But I clicked the link. And suddenly I was live on a live broadcast of a CFL stream about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I'm just sitting there all of a sudden popping up as the fourth panel in the show, just like staring at people, and they're staring at me like with their eyeballs saying, hey, maybe just get out. <laughs> so to top that, I did it again, and I popped in again. So if any of you are watching around 325-ish live coverage of CFL football, and you see old Wiley pop in, Howdy doody. I'll just exit. Um, all right. Oh, and by the way, Will Brinson and I have a game where each of us give each other words. Did I use each twice and did I need to? But we do that. We give each other words to say during live podcasts or broadcasts or this podcast to, to just, uh, just obscure words, preferably nouns, that he has to jam into his content without anyone noticing. That's the key. Yesterday, I gave him oceanographer. He nailed it. My next one for him, by the way, is seahorse. And then he went on this weird diatribe about seahorses. He says, you know, they look like little chicken tenders. Okay. And he said, you know, seahorses are a lot thicker than people think. As if I'd, I'd had a, an opinion my whole life that seahorses were thin. <laughs> oh, it's great. So I have one today during content. He gave me a word. Guess the word, win a prize. If you haven't been to my, this is not the prize you're going to win for this, but I just want to see if people are paying attention to this bit, if we're going to bring it back. But I am giving away a master's authentic shirt. Thank you for the person who tweeted me. It's a good good job using authentic sarcastically, but I sh I could have gotten this on Fifth Avenue in New York from a street vendor, but this is from the Augusta National Clubhouse. Thank you very much, Pro Shop, Clothier Shop. So I went all the way there to buy this shirt, and now I'm giving it away. Large fits all. Go to my Twitter account and look for that contest. Um, broad thoughts. Broad thoughts. Not thoughts about broads, but broad thoughts. Tiger is taking in all the oxygen, and it won't phase him one ounce. Not one. He looks fit. He looks as healthy as he's been. He looks as intent as he responded to Dan Rappaport in the interview room yesterday, I believe I can win. And I know he said, not said that before if he felt like, listen, I just need to get, I don't know what my body's going to give me, 
he can hit all the shots. You spent 30 minutes looking at him on the range, it appears like he can hit all his shots. He made everyone around him, every other player you know on tour, including the big names, look small. Looked like it was a pro-am. And they're just showing up to find where the first tee is. Instantly. They turned him to dust. And now you've got crowds out there in practice rounds bigger than I've seen. I mean, it's insane. So he's going to suck up all this oxygen, which may help others who, who compress somewhat under pressure, Rory, to perhaps perform better. But come Sunday, if Tiger's in the mix, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he might be, can you imagine the intensity of those crowds? And look at what happened when his threesome folded on the 12th hole and Tiger just stared them down. Finau, Molinari. Who can handle that? That's the fundamental question. Yes, you play the course. Yes, you play conservatively. Yes, you play defensively here. Yes, there are some people who can shoot who are not pros. Who who think August who say Augusta National is somewhere they can shoot, you know, sub eighty or low seventies. That's fine, yes. But you're playing the course under intense pressure. Sure, you and your buddies are good enough, played in college, and I and I would probably agree with that, that you can probably shoot low scores for you at this course from the tips on a Monday. But the two riders you have to add if you do this calculus is one, you've got to be in a, th- in, a, in, a, in, a, in a pairing on Sunday with B, the crowds as intent as they have been for Tiger. Then what are you going to shoot? 200? That's the difference. It's you against the course. It's you against yourself, the pressure, the ghosts, the history, the intensity, the demand on yourself to win a green jacket. An incredible, you know, octaves with the size of the crowd. And that's that. And so who can handle that? Who can handle that now with this intensity that Tiger's brought with him and perhaps even to the weekend? On a likely perfect weather four-day event um, that's going to be firm and fast, as Jordan Spieth said, as firm and fast as he's ever seen it. That's on a Monday. It did rain. As Ray texted me, Floyd, and said that it's, it had biblical rains just now, meaning Tuesday, two and a half inches. But you'll get the sub-air content, and that will suck it nice and dry. Probably want to rephrase that in editing. But... I think it's going to be as intense a test as it's been in a while, plus the wind, which, you know, which I'll say in a second, that's the underrated element to this course is the wind and the swirling winds, especially in Amen Corner, especially on hole 12, which John Rahm said was his toughest hole. Get the spin right. Get the wind right. Otherwise, you're in Ray's Creek. 12-7-17 in order. I believe his most difficult holes. Rom also had an interesting anecdote about Tiger, saying that Tiger has never given or offered him any assistance. When he's asked twice, he's been dismissive. And Rom said, basically, if you want to know something from Tiger, I guess you have to go ask Justin Thomas. I don't know if it was a. I guess it was half kidding playful but seems like Rom's up for a challenge some course thoughts in general I mean there's nothing more you can say I put this on Twitter you read my notes but maybe if I verbalize them it'll make for interesting content ground zero you know every every week it's all American tree line parklands well this is ground zero this is, you know, ball striking is a premium. Yes. Welcome to the PGA Tour. Well, here's where it's premium 1A. It's a voluptuous course. 
it's uh it's it is a mountain you know people make fun of the tough walk talk it is every golfer has said it in their interview there's no tougher test tiger said listen i can hit every shot i think i can win the only test is if i can walk it for four days for one day and he said years ago it's not how you it's how you play the course it's how you play this course. Not at the flagstick, you play the green. You play, and that was Rory's thing. If he's going to make a move, don't make it Thursday. You've got to play defensive. You, 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 Sergio Garcia, the 15th hole, for what? A 15? You're done. 12? You're done. Those demons catch up with you real quick. So that's why conservative golfers do well here. And Tiger is a conservative golfer. Largely right to left, and I heard Rom talking today about him not being as comfortable hitting a draw but learning how to, and there's some holes that necessitate it. Um... And he thinks 11 necessitates it now with the changes. And that his fade will leave him much further back than someone who can hit the slope with the draw on 11 downhill, which is like a blue square ski slope in terms of the hills. I mean, 11, as I've said before, you don't, you're not allowed to stand around the tee shot on 11. But once you get down through 11 to 12 tee box, uh, you could have a cold play concert down there. The canopy of trees, the pavilions, the stands. It's the space between the holes. It's insane. And he can do that too behind number one or at the end of behind one green behind two tee box. And you can have your pimento cheese sandwiches. But par fives is where you're going to make your hay. And they've, they've tried to toughen them somewhat. Look at the lengthening on 15. Colin Morikawa said, listen, you know, if you don't think that's going to get in players' heads now, that's the difference between a four iron in a, into a prevailing wind, into, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the most testing approach on the course with 12. Long, you're bad. Short, you're bad. Long, you're bad. Then you're, then you're bad again over the green like Lowry round one last year. So it's, you know, six iron into that green is a lot different than a four iron. But solid decision making. Am I going to go for it for two in two on fifteen? Do I risk going long? Um, you know it's going to be windy, so you want your your straight bombers who have a shorter club into the green. You cannot not get away without being a good scrambler and a creative shot maker around the green. You can't do it, and that eliminates a lot of people for me right out of the gate. Look at a Hovland. Worst on tour. In, in fact, Rom now Rom historically has been amazing around the green, but this year he's one seventieth or one sixtieth, but high and putting. He's not been a good putter. So good iron players, experienced iron players, um, all guts can handle the moment. You've got to drive. It's open off the tee, yes, but you've got to drive the ball well for the right angles into the green. And you certainly don't want to be playing in pine straw or 500-foot pine trees. Um, and the wind, of course. And the, then once you get to the green, they're blazing fast. A lot of people say they're easier to putt because they like the speed. And a lot of poor putters say they like faster greens because you need less backstroke and some historically not as great putters have done well here. Baba, Sergio, Hideki last year, not great putters. Charles, not a great putter. But you cannot like those guys have the greatest hands ever. Baba, Seve, Tiger, Spieth, I mean, even Reed, Phil, Hideki. So overall, 
if you've got all this, experienced, conservative, can handle pressure, amount some intense crowds, even-tempered, world-class ball striker, specially iron play, elite short game that has the best plan for the week and can make all the putts. There you go. That narrows it down to what? Three people? Tiger? I like Brooks. You know, Matt, seahorses aren't as thin as people think. They're pretty thick. It's like a chicken tender. Thanks, Will. All right. This next segment was done late last night with Josh and Ryan. And I didn't intend to do a podcast because I was just going to do this live thing tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitter with Ray. So it's not, I gave you a lot of stuff there. My, I spent probably six sevenths of this segment laughing. It was 11 o'clock at night. I was spent. It was just content wall to wall and I was just out of it. And so Slep and Ryan really carried the show. It's not the greatest information, but hey, perhaps it'll make you laugh. Hello. All right. We recorded this late because the segment that I was doing live went late and then I had to eat. And tomorrow's a write-off for everyone because of, well, you're doing your Calcutta tomorrow, right, Slep? I am, yes. Which I would love to be a part of. You were invited. I know, but it's Rhode Island. I can do it remotely. No, it's it's kind of, you got to be there. Mm-hmm. We, the, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, then Ryan Ryan's doing another podcast. Yeah. A live, a live podcast, I believe. We all got our hits this week, so. Um, it's Masters, it's week. Masters week. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped. I, I I hope the weather doesn't become a huge factor, though, because that just, I mean, it, it ruined the players. It could potentially ruin this event as well. Make your call on the weather right now. Well, it, it's supposed to pour tomorrow, and I'm okay. I know that we have time, but I mean, yeah. if if this course is wet, it absolutely wipes out probably half the field, oh, and you're going to be, need and you're going to need be, the distance, and you're going to need the ball. There's going to be so much sub air content. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't sub air the fairways. Oh, oh my are God. you sure? It's it's A N G C. Are the PGA experts already sub-airing content? Is that like a premium package? Oh, my God. All right. So here's it's, the – go ahead. Yeah. Well, talk, talk, look, talk, talk, talk. It's the worst week for content. <laughs> we can agree on that, right? I wanted to bail on all content. I know. Content. We talked about that. But it it's Monday night, and I'm, it's, I'm, already, like, I'm already sick of the Masters. Again, I will be until the Masters starts, and then obviously the content stops, and it's awesome. But like for the next three days, it's unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> I just want I just want my Twitter to be filled with NFT talk, you know, <laughs> and not all this fucking. Just the thought of a tout website charging extra for sub air content is amazing. People are charged for anything these days. Is sub, um, is sub air on? <laughs> Strokes yeah. gain sub air. <laughs> All right, so I can't I can't like go over the course more than what we've done already, either on Twitter or in every other. Well, let's podcast. go hole by hole, flyovers. <laughs> <laughs> what if uh, we just did the entire segment on like who our favorite old guy plays are? <laughs> just <laughs> like from playability or hotness. <laughs> Hotness, obviously, they're not in play. Um, Stewart's you're very giggly. We uh, pop a little, uh, <laughs> little, little a late night gummy. Little, yeah, you there? 
probably muted himself. Yeah, that's fine. Let's go ahead, Ryan. Um, so <laughs> I'll take the reins. So we got Scotty Scheffler, new number one at the top. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on Scotty, Ryan. He's not number one. That's my thought. What? He's not number one what? In anything. Um, oh. No, I, I, I don't think I've, you can pay that price for him. Uh, I, <laughs> I also don't know where Matt went. Just, yeah. Aside from the DK price, like, dude, I mean, it, you think he can win? <laughs> All right. It's just going to be me. I don't think he's going to win. I don't know. I think. I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, all right. I, I have, I'm completely like, I'm, I'm centered now. All right. But I, I did laugh for five minutes straight. Listen, you two have your, you two have other pods doing this week. You bow out. It's my time. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So initially I thought, well, there's going to be, it's going to be a lot of pressure coming into the Masters. I have to expect him to be the odds on favorite. He isn't, which I like that a little bit, but still newly crowned number one. Going to be a lot of eyeballs on him. I don't, I think, I think, uh, I don't think he's going to win. I think he's an awesome player. I love him as a guy. Don't know him personally, but, um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm off him. So that brings us to, well, I mean, let me, let me just say this like at 11K. First time world number one at a major for him. The, uh, I mean, I saw him in the range today. He just looked really nervous from body language alone. I mean, Tiger was sucking in light from everywhere. I mean, he was just his whole, I mean, he crushed Billy Horschel by just being around him. Webb Simpson looked like a 30 handicap. It was crazy. Yeah. And then when Scheffler walks up, and it, it, he's like a child compared to what Tiger is doing to people right now psychologically. Did you see any of that, Ryan? Uh, I, no, I didn't watch much of that. But okay. um, I think he – look, Scotty Scheffler is – he's on an absolute heater. Um, you never really know when these things are going to end. I just don't think his game fits really well here. Like he's not the type of guy who you would look at and say, yeah, he's got an elite short game. Uh, he's not going to drive the ball the best. Like when we saw him win at Bay Hill and I guess even at Phoenix a little bit, he was driving it all over the place. He was scrambling from the rough and he was making long putts. Like that's not exactly a formula for success here. Mm-hmm. And he's 11 K. Yes. He's 11 K. Is it me or is this surprisingly tough pricing for a major? I think at the very top it is. Like they didn't know kind of what to do with these top guys, and so the odds board made them all about the same. And I don't know. I guess I just I, I I guess I just don't remember there being this many guys above like nine five. Um, mm-hmm. Even on ten. I mean, I don't know. Usually, I just I get annoyed with soft pricing, and it's like every every lineup looks good, but. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's not as easy. Well, other than like the absolute chalkiest possible cash lineup, yeah. it's just not easy to to get a lot of the guys on one roster. Mostly because I just don't like. Yeah, the for these weeks. Well, yeah, and I think that's exactly right. Like for these weeks, and like when the pricing is soft, it's normally that that there's those kind of glaring guys in the sevens that stand out, and you still have that, right? You got Fitzconnors, yeah. Casey there that are basically going to be the start of any cash core and they allow you to get multiple 10k guys if but you want maybe to. i don't know and i don't have anything to back this up and i probably have poor memory on this but isn't like the glaringly obvious play usually a little cheaper than like connor's is this week like isn't usually a guy like low sevens that's just the obvious play that just makes every lineup work um so who's yeah. that for you connor's yeah, it's Connor, but he's yeah, like he's like three or four hundred dollars more than you might normally see. Um, yeah, I don't. But you, so you, the thing is, you I I said this on the <clears throat> at Roto Guys Grinders podcast the the stat you posted about chalk performing as it should for how many years prior was interesting, yeah. right? So explain that. 
Well, so I, I was, I want to give this person who posted the thing, the shout the shout out. I'm going to pull it up, but I was, uh, DK saying DFS, it was, yeah, DK DFS strength or something like something that. Like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but we had been talking about it earlier where, you know, normally you're trying to avoid the chalk in other tournaments, but this is one of the weeks where I, I'm not looking to avoid the chalk. Um, and I was trying to, kind of think conceptualize like why is it different this week than others and you know i think in a in other weeks maybe there's some a lot less unknowns maybe the models are all pulling us towards a certain place and the group think kind of gets lands on everyone and that play isn't necessarily that much better than the plays around it whereas i don't know why this week it feels like when there's a very good, obvious chalk play, it like really is a good play. Um, and it's maybe it's because, you know, we know the courses so well, we know the players so well, and so they're not, they're not these, you know, random people at a, you know, at an event, but we've got a lot of history with the course and you, you don't have to question any single person's mental state as far as mental preparedness. I butchered that word. Um, Mental preparedness. I can't. <laughs> I still can't get <laughs> prepared. So, yeah. Anyways, let me just. No, I can't. You can't. I can't end on like a me like <laughs> butchering great. a word. So I just think that it. It just seems like in this event, the chalk usually is not something that you want to fade like you want mm-hmm. to in other events. And we we're talking about that. And then this guy on Twitter who he posted a bunch of good stuff and he posted this thing and it shows that the chalk usually does smash at the masters. Um, and, you know, I remember seeing some winning millionaire medical lineups and it's got like multiple 40% owned guys, which you just don't rarely yeah. see that in other events. So that's a very long winded way of just saying that I'm not going to be shying away from the chalk this week. Yeah, I think, so I think there's, two main reasons why that happens here. I mean, one, obviously course history is, is emphasized here, right? It's, it's one of the courses that, and we have the most course history guys seem to play well here every year, whether it's Spieth or Tiger or Bubba, anybody. Um, I think the other thing, right. Is when you pull out the amateurs and the old guys, 80% of the viable DK players are going to make the cut, right? Like there's only 90 guys in this field. You take out those bottom 18 or 20, pretty much everybody else is making the cut. So you talk about the chalk has a much higher floor, much less risk in playing them because they are not going to miss the cut. Um, And when you have four rounds here, like there's plenty of scoring opportunities. So even if a guy like Paul Casey ends up in a tie for 40th, if he's getting four rounds and scoring a little bit, like it's really not the end of the world. It might be the end of the world. Yeah, I hope he shoots 92, but... Right. Well, by the way, thank you for bailing out this podcast by leading with Scheffler. That was very good production from you, Josh. You're welcome. What was going on? I I forget what we were laughing at. If it's not a HIPAA violation. I was was literally under my desk laughing, and all I could hear was you saying, okay, let's start with Scheffler. To build this out, even Ryan was like, you know, was like, Yeah, and then I got into a coughing fit, so yes. that'd be great content for a minute and a half. Yes, though. no, no, no. Um, I mean, you could make a case for fading everyone above 10k. I'm just saying, uh, I think, I think if you go down to 9k, here's the deal you've got Jordo, who has what would Ben Coley say out of 32 trips here, he's had par or better 23 times. He's uh, under 70 10 times and over par, what, nine times. That's insane clip for him. So, I mean, at 9-8, probably sub-15 is nutso. Uh, I think this is a lot of stuff we should look at here outside of Matsuyama under 3% owned, which is, he probably should be. Yeah. Well, like, I guess we, we can probably lump Matsuyama and Bryson together, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, for different reasons, but yeah. 
the trash what, bag. What are the different reasons? I, I mean, it's both kind of an, an injury unknown, right? Or- well, I'm 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 much more worried about Matsuyama in terms of the actual injury because you know he's withdrawn mid event, basically. To, well, I guess the one um, the match play was like or at um, Bay Hill was like uh, right after. But like with Bryson, we've seen him the last two weeks, right? Like, I don't know if it's health. I don't know if it's rust. He's just bad. Like he's driving yeah. it all over the place. His short game is exceptionally rusty. Like I'm much more worried about his game than Matsuyama's. Did you see Bryson's interview, by the way? I did. And I think what was interesting is for the first time ever, he came across as almost likable. Yes, he did. He was normal down to earth and not trying to talk down to people. So that was good. But he was terrible. I mean, he admitted he was terrible. Like he, yeah. I, mean, I think when he said he was eighty percent, I think best. he just said eighty percent in terms of how hard he can swing, not like eighty percent of him being good. Like he's See, bad right now. The yeah. thing that the, the thing that I struggle with with, well, let's say fine, Matts is out because of the injury concerns. I mean, you'd think that even even if he is injured as the defending champion, he has to tee it up. So yeah, you know, for sure. That but with Bryson, it's. It's a difficult decision because you think a guy like Bryson at that ownership at that price, it's like the ultimate GPP play. But on the other hand, I mean, he's when he was fine, he's never done well at Augusta. No, because he so, can't hit fairways here. And like people tried to play the ownership game with him last week in a very weak field, and you know that didn't go well either. It was all done. You know what's interesting about Bryson though? Let me let me give credit to Bryson here. Okay, because I don't typically do that, and I saw his interview today, and I like what what's he going to be, Josh? Like six percent or sub owned at that price? Yeah, I found I found. Hang on a second, I found something really <laughs> interesting. Hang on, uh, let me just fax it in here a little bit. Um, uh, interesting stat about Bryson. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> was that a great that commitment a, to the bit yeah that was that, great was that uh, oh man the next time i, I want you'd have the a, the aol uh is the aol uh site like login yeah. sign yeah the dial up that'd be great <laughs> Um, All right, go ahead. So let's see. I okay, go, go, get out of here. A, get in this range. He's terrible. Here, no, no. I, here's a play that if we're looking at plays that we want to take a guy who kind of is in bad form and lower ownership, I think this can't lay ownership is going to be lower than we expect. I haven't heard anyone 100%. say him. And yes. he's between Xander and he's between Brooks and. You know, obviously you've got Zalator is there. There, I'm seeing on Rotor Grinders projected at 13. percent I think that's coming in under. And yeah, he's out of form, but that's why he's going to be. That's why he's low priced and low and low owned. So if you want to take a shot on a guy who you know can, you know, we haven't seen him a couple of weeks. I don't know who knows what's going on with him, but take a chance on him. I would probably go there. Years ago. When when Ryan and I went to the Masters in 2019, Ryan, you were there, right? Yeah, uh, the year Tiger won. Yes. I said in my notes, never do not play Cantlay regardless of form. He's that good. Always play him. And now he's going to be what? Mm, low double digits owned? Nine yeah, it could be lower. Single. Yeah. Single I- even sucked by Xander and Brooks for sure. Price is good. Sucked. Sucked. What? Sucked. Um, yeah. All right. So we we skipped over the tens. No, um, we didn't skip over the tens. We talked about it for like twenty minutes. Um. Here's what I want to know, Slap. Let's let's get out of this pricing bullshit. Yeah. What do you do this week to be unique? Right, because you Fine. can't just make the cut. To have a winning GPP lineup, I will. I will tell you. Okay, we're talking about what I'm going to do in the 150, right? Yes. Well, don't give away your trade secrets. Uh, it's not going to fucking make a difference. Why? Because you're so amazing. <laughs> no, because it's, it's fucking. Sexy. What's going to? What's going to, what's going to change? Oh, out of 400,000 lineups. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So I'm going to ask myself, you know, is can this guy top top 20? Mm. And if I don't think that, he's automatically out. So obviously any of these guys down at the end, like they're not they're not worth the salary savings because you're going to need better than that yeah. unless there's some weird thing where, you know, the top five happen to all be in this, you know, all high own, or not, excuse me, all high salary. It's more than likely that, that you're going to need better than that. Sure. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to shy away from salary like I normally do. Uh, excuse me ownership like I know like I'm going to get overweight on on Con- on Connors he's just that good of a play I believe um but I am going to say do you believe he's the best lowest priced play on the board like he's the worst priced play on the board in terms of best for us like well, he, he should be 8300 according to Vegas sure yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. according to you know I mean yes um and you know, like, well, let's see. I mean, Connors is a different one because I don't think he's going to win. So there's probably more. But like, for example, I really like Cam Smith this week. He's going to be high owned. Everyone likes him, but I don't want to necessarily just get away from it because I think he's, you know, he's one of my three favorite plays this week. Um. So I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to set up you mean, like rules. That when I have, I mean, so basically when I have two chalky players, I have at least one lower owned and or, or two lower owned. And when I have like three chalky players, then the rest are going to be very low owned so that it's not going to, my thing is not going to spit out, you know, 150 chalk lineups, but I'm still going to get overweight on the plays that I really like. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I don't know, for what am I going to do for, I mean, I think salary is kind of tough this week, so I'm not going to do something which, like, yeah, every week you, you want to get uniques, and in, in, like, the regular weeks, um, non-majors, I'm pretty good at get, of having unique lineup. Usually I'm, like, 140 to 145 out of 150 unique. It will not be possible to get a number like that, I think, and still have, like, plus EV lineup, so you're going to lose some. But what you really want to do is you don't want to be the guy who midway through the first day you're in first and you're like tied with a hundred people because it's embarrassing. So you just want to like <laughs> just that's your goal. Just don't have an embarrassing right. over. Yeah, don't don't dupe hundred yeah. lineups. And I don't know. So what am I gonna do? I'm probably gonna cap it at like probably two like four forty nine eight. Because, mm-hmm. because yes. I mean, you know, yes, that's going to cut out so many duplicates, but I'm not going to just give away so much expected value by going to like, you know, if I went to like 49.2, well, now I'm going to have very few duplicates, but I probably have really hurt my chance of winning. The the thing is, the two guys that make lineups, well, three guys that, makes line, that make lineups work with the guys up top that people want are Bobby Mack. That's why everyone loves Bobby Mack, Cam Young. And Stuart Sink at full salary. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear the Stu Sink thing. So that's, oh my no, that's God. new to me. Stu, no, Stu Sink is a thing. Is really? a huge he's, yeah. he's terrible yeah, here, isn't he? No. no. If you do some arithmetic on some lineups, Stu Sink is the fucking math. I mean, why not just, just pay a little more for Thomas Peters? I don't, I don't Well, you could do Sink and Peters and then really have a dominant lineup. If you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. No. Don't do that. Yeah, not doing the same thing. Bobby Mack's interesting just because one, he is back in form. He like he died towards the end of last year and he's come back strong. Um he played really well last week except for Saturday and obviously twelfth here last year and had a sixth place at the open. So like you talk about a guy who has shown that he has top ten upside in a major and you know that he can score on these par fives. I can't sweat um, I cannot sweat do sink on Friday. It's a no, of course not. No, like terrible feeling. No, if I want to die with some of these bad cheap players, like I'm going to take the bombers, right? I'm going to take Peters and Mac and Young and Homa and just hope that they make enough birdies to let me help let me, me throw a name, let me throw two names out there for you, and you could throw them back if you want to. Tommy Fleetwood at seven point seven. Tommy, Fleetwood. I mean, you you certainly don't have to stop. To okay. sell me on some Tommy Fleetwood. And yeah. Then, 
and then very, very, very underlooked Mark Leishman. I don't mind those plays. I think the guy will and and I and I reserve the right to change my mind on sure. Corey Condors as this ownership gets out of hand. Control, right. But Really, who isn't like the guys? I don't know. I, I want to really focus on getting some good golfers that are under owned because I like, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I mean, there's a two time master champion there who's going to be under owned. <laughs> Gerald B. Watson. Well, 7,300. Really? We are. Okay. Yeah, nobody's playing him. We, he, yeah, as much as I love him, I'm not sure he's very good. Um, <laughs> Tony Fino. I okay. don't know. People were back on him last week. No, no, he'll no, be seven. He'll be eight percent or less. That is a fact. Everyone's People. playing Neiman, who I love, but come on, of course. Or Hatton too. Look, well, I don't think any is, of those guys. By the way, I don't think any is, of those guys are going to be high. No one's playing. This is the range where no one's playing. Finau, yeah. Hatton, correct. Answer. Correct. Mm-hmm. This range. Answer. Why up, is no one playing? Answer. Right up to Tiger Woods. This range. Cannot make lineups work, and so you got Scott Neiman Finau, and Finau is just sitting there, right? Sub ten percent at a major at eight one. Come on! But can someone just tell me why we're not? No one's playing answer first. It's withdrew last week because he yeah, had, he's hurt. Yeah, well, hurt or sick, we don't really know why he withdrew. He, he withdrew was last minute last week, so I think that uh, that and the lack of course history. But no, I mean, I think it's built. It's like. If if the chalk build is going to be a Cam JT stack or something, you're going to have to go to the sevens and probably the low sevens. You know. Yeah, he's good cross history, by the way. So. Yeah, that must just be the withdrawal that people are scared of him. I don't play answer like ever. I don't either. Oh, hang on! <laughs> it's got a fax in front. <laughs> that's not a fax. I said that's AOL. answer. Hang on one second. Oh yeah, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, we did just completely bury the lead here, but Tiger, Tiger teed it up on Thursday and he's, you know, eight or seven percent owned for 8,500. Yes, 100%. Like, if he was healthy, he'd be 94, 9,500. Uh, I don't know. If you're making 150 teams, I, I, I would at least match the field there. Probably go a little bit more. I, I, he's, I think he's going to make the cut. I mean, do of course think- he's going to make, everyone makes the cut. It's fine. Okay. So you think he's going to contend? I mean, I think I think he could beat M. Scott, Gooch, Ustaisen. Like he could beat a lot of those guys. So, do you have anything, anything, anything down low? I don't like a lot here. Nothing. Um, Aaron, Aaron Jarvis. Everyone like I like Woodland. Everyone likes Woodland. So I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Who do you say? Aaron Jarvis. Is- yeah, he's talking oh. amateurs. Um, I mean, he, here's a guy who. So in this range, I'm not looking at stats or anything. I'm just looking at like who would be annoying to see at the top of the leaderboard, and like name I would come is like Mac Hughes. So yeah, I mean, Hughes or Varner would be the two annoying names. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna play Mac Hughes because he's one of those guys. Like, what the fuck? He just he just birdied five in a row and he's in the top ten. Yeah, he's like he annoys me like that. So I, that's the analysis of why I'm gonna play some of him. <laughs> yeah, it just seems way too long of a golf course. I'll tell you who I think no one's gonna play that has been good and probably can play well here is Sepp Straka. Um, I know he's obviously a Masters rookie, but I also know that the UGA guys, um, they play Augusta every year. It's not like he's never been here before. The rookie uh, thing is overblown. I agree. It's I mean, only practice rounds and stuff. No, I'm just saying, I, I said this to you guys earlier. It's only that narrative, oh, rookies don't win. Well, fine. I'm not picking Sepp Straka to win. I'm just picking yeah, him I mean, to Sepp's make a been, cut. He, and, yeah, Sepp's been so good. Like, I don't know. And he makes a lot of birdies. So I don't, I don't mind him. Yeah, Who's your winner? I mean, go, go, go. Who's your winner? Ryan. I mean, it's it's going to be Rom or JT. I I guess I'll take Rom just because I I would rather see him win, but Slap. it's going to be one of them. Before we do that, um, I don't think we properly addressed that I picked the winner on last week's podcast. <laughs> yes, congratulations on Spawn. Thank, yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, let's see. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Pick him again. See what happens. All right. Who is my winner? 
I think Dustin Johnson. Did not expect that since we didn't even bring up his name once on this podcast. It's a slept special. <laughs> the best part of this podcast is that I heard Ryan belly laugh uncontrollably and call the first time ever. <laughs> and, and then slept, ran the entire podcast by himself talking about Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> All right. I, it's Brooks Kepka. Good night, boys. I love you so much. Good night. Okay, that's it for the Masters Podcast 2022. I will hope to see some of you tomorrow. Hey, ask some questions. Get in the contest. I'd love to give away this shirt to you. Until then, stick with what you know. Go with your own gut. Don't listen to us out here we don't we we don't know anything more than anyone else except experience watching golf but to pre- to be able to predict human behavior to be able to predict what you're going to do tomorrow is impossible and you're you most of the time Dude, what's new? Stay trippin' like Fiji, oh.